Good morning. I think that I'm going to write on my Bible these words. Warning. This book is dangerous. Uh, this book is like dynamite. Read it at your own risk. It will blow up your plans. It will challenge the way you think. It will invite you to leave behind your comfortable life for an uncomfortable journey. So often we read the Bible because we want to invite God to join us in our life and what we're doing. But when you begin to read the Bible and you begin to read the story of how God is at work in people's lives and you begin to see how God is at work in our world, you realize that it's not that uh, we're inviting God to join us. But the story of the Bible is that, that God is inviting us to join him in what he's doing. And this morning, I want to share with you a question that's really, really troubling me. I don't know why I haven't asked myself this question before. Maybe you've, you've already thought of this question. But as I was reading through uh, Exodus, I was just going to read through because I hadn't read Exodus in a long time. felt like a good thing to do. Nice history, great story. Let's read it. And then this question, this question just kept coming to me. And this week it was like, I don't want to ask this question. So I have a really good question. Let me tell you the story and then I'll ask the question. So... The book of Exodus is the story of how God sent Moses back to Egypt where the people of God were living. The Bible says that they were suffering tremendously. They were living in agony. They were slaves. They were being persecuted and they were being oppressed. Moses, many years earlier, had been saved, pulled out of the Nile River. His, his name means to lift up, to, to lift out. And he was rescued by a daughter of the Pharaoh, grew up in the Pharaoh's house. His mother had the privilege of raising him, being his nursemaid. So he was connected to his own people. Uh, once when he was a young man, he went back to visit his people, and he saw what was happening to his people, and he was so troubled by the unjust treatment and the oppression that he took matters into his own hands, and he killed an Egyptian who was beating an Israelite, hid the body in the sand. The authorities found out uh, it wasn't kept secret, and he had to run away. He ran as far as he could. He, he ran out in the middle of nowhere. And the place where he ran to was called Midian. Midian. And there he met his wife. There he raised his family. There he enjoyed a nice career as a sheep herder. And there he had a nice, safe life. Then one day, you know, he's 80. 
He's not thinking about any new adventures. He's not thinking about anything new, no new challenges. You know, he regrets that his life didn't turn out the way he thought, but he's okay with it. I mean, you know how you are. Some of you in the room are over 50. You remember you had big dreams of how you were going to conquer the world. You were going to do this, you are going to do that. But you know, now you're living in a safe place, in a nice neighborhood, a nice house, a nice family. Those dreams are a long time ago, and, and you don't feel so bad about where you are. You, you feel happy, content. that's where he is. He's not thinking of a new adventure. I mean, who wants to go on a new adventure at 80? I mean, a cruise maybe, but not to liberate a people. A golf package weekend maybe. You know, maybe, you know, a Viking cruise down the river in Europe somewhere. You know, that's not, but not an adventure, to, not to become a, a liberator, no. So the Bible says, when you begin to read the first three chapters of Exodus, it says that God is deeply concerned about the suffering. And this is a theme you're going to find again and again in Scripture, is that God cares about the poor. Over and over again, page after page, you hear that, that God cares about the oppressed and that God is not only a God of compassion, but that God is a God of justice. He works in history on behalf of those without power, without influence, and those who are suffering under the hand of another. So it says that, that, that God has heard the cry of the Israelites. It has reached his ear. He is listening. And so he makes a decision to choose someone to go speak for him, and that is Moses. We pick up the story then in chapter 3 where Moses is just out doing his thing, you know. He's out in the middle of the desert like he's done thousands, had his cup of coffee, got out, took the sheep out. He's out in the middle of the desert. And then all of a sudden, burning bush. And then the conversation takes place. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, he says, God, the cry of the people of Israel have reached me. I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now, Moses is listening at this point, and I know what he's thinking. He's thinking, you know, I've, I've had a really good life here. God, would you like me to write a check? I'd be glad to write a check and help out with the cause. I'll pray for you. And uh, uh, I'd be glad to, you know, uh, sponsor some young people who want to go to Egypt. But then out of the bush, he hears something he never expected at 80. Now go. For I am sending you to Pharaoh. I'm not sending a teenager, not sending a young adult, not sending a men. I'm, I'm sending you to lead my people out of Israel. And Moses, like most of us, protested. I mean, protested through a fit. 
Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Israel? And then God gave him these words. God said, I am. Now let me ask the question. I'll just be really honest. Um, I have a really good life. We have a really nice church. I work with really great people. I have a really nice house just on the other side of the wall. And my life is pretty predictable. I'm turning 55 in a few weeks. And Midian doesn't sound too bad to me. Midian sounds like sitting on the deck with a cup of coffee and reading a good book and getting up and writing a sermon and coming delivering a nice sermon and not stirring into me. I really have to ask myself, do I really want to go on adventure? Do I really want to be uncomfortable? I mean, I like being comfortable. I like my life. Everything's going pretty good. My son's going to college. He'll be out of the house soon, you know. That's even cooler. He's going off the payroll in four years. You know, it's going to be great. Do I really want God to come? In? So here's my question. Do I real, here's the question. Do I really want to hear from God? It's a good question. Do you really want to hear from God? I mean, we all know, we all know, I mean, every person in this room, maybe today, maybe yesterday, sometime, you say, God, if you just show me what you want me to do, if you'll just give me some clear word of advice, if you'll just tell me where to go to college, if you just tell me who to marry, just tell me what job to take, tell me how to handle the situation. God, I'd like to hear from you uh, until we actually do. That's all fine and good, but don't ask me to leave Midian. Come help me. So, so, so here's the thing. When I read the Bible, I read these stories of people like Moses that get wrecked. I'm telling you, I don't want to get wrecked. I'm just asking the question. Let me tell you about a time that I did hear from God. And in my ministry, my life, I'm always trying to figure out, am I hearing from God, not hearing from God? But let me tell you about one time that was pretty unmistakable. I, it was right before I came up here. I was in Texas. I was serving a nice church. We had a great church. And we had invited this missionary to come speak at our church. He, he was from Cuba, but he's living in South Texas near Brownsville. And he had this incredible ministry. Uh, at the time, there was a civil war going on in El Salvador. And people were suffering. They were being brutalized and murdered. And many of them were coming to Texas and were settling in Texas. And they were living, and the church was taking care of them. All the churches... The Christian churches in Texas were supplying them with rice and beans. Our church got connected with the mission, and we would go down, and we were also driving over to Matamoros. We were working with an orphanage, and we built a school in a little village built on top of a dump. One of the poorest places on the earth. We invited him to come speak at our church. At the time that he came to speak at our church, our church was really struggling uh, because we had built a lot and we were growing a lot. And like a lot of people, instead of, you know, uh, having some margin, we had no financial margin. And the board was really worried about where we were financially. Giving was a little down. You know, we were worried, could we pay? We just got a new youth, uh, youth ministry. Could we pay? All this kind of stuff. You know, we were gripping over resources. And our, our budget was about $600,000. So this guy comes up and he's talking to us and he's telling us he's, he has a budget of about $75,000, but 
They're working uh, with people who most of them don't speak English. It's a real challenge. He's got a ministry going on in Cuba. He's got all this stuff going over the border. They're feeding the hungry. They're doing all this stuff. And I tell you, the more he spoke, the more I just kept hearing, wow, you have so little faith. You've been given so much. What are you doing? You look, you, you, you appear so selfish, so inwardly focused. I mean, it just came over me bad, bad, bad. It was like a burning bush. It was like, it was set on fire right in front of me. And then I got up after he had spoken and stood behind the communion table. And these words came out of my mouth. And I said, and by the way, I can never, I don't have the authority to do this, which I was told very promptly. I said, I said, I am so deeply convicted by what I've heard today. And we're so worried about money all the time. I think that we should just trust God and give the man the whole offering for today and forget about ourselves and just watch what God can do. People started plotting, people started crying, and some people got up and walked out. Somebody, and then I went, oh my gosh, did I just say that what happened? I felt like I'd heard from God. And then a man walked up to me, and listen, I'm not saying I got a direct pipeline. I'm just telling you what I felt inside, and I said it. A man walked up to me between the services and said, you know, this isn't a Pentecostal church. Our board makes decisions. Ministers are not supposed to hear from God. I mean, that was exactly what he said. <laughs> you can't give away. the. I mean, it was really, and I'm not trying. Listen, he's a dear friend, and you know what? I overstep boundaries, I, cross, I, I get all that. You know, I look back and I go, were you an idiot or what? What were you thinking? And then I looked at him and then these words came in my mouth. I said, look, um, I just, that's what I said, what I heard. I said, it'd be great for us. And then I said to him, go ahead and fire me. I'm glad to have on a resume. Minister got fired for giving away the church's money to the poor. <laughs> Probably not the best thing to say. And there's a lot wrong with that. I can't do that here. You know, couldn't do it there. Well, guess what happens? People just started giving like crazy. The normal offering about seven or $8,000. They gave $12,500. And the board, just, the board had convened. Half the people hated me and wanted to get rid of me. The other half wanted to keep me. I mean, it was just this, this, this horrible, worst week in my life. But here's what happened. The next week, the offering came, and it was $25,000. It was the largest offering we'd ever had on a single Sunday in the history of the church other than the capital campaign we had. We had received like $37,000 over two weeks. We were able to give away $12,500, had more than what we would have had if we hadn't have done anything. 24 people joined the church the next few weeks. After that happened, I then got a call from a guy named Ed Huckleberry said, and Ed Huckleberry said, hey, we're looking for a new pastor in Kentucky, and I thought it was the best way to escape a dangerous situation. <laughs> And then I remember thinking, maybe there's, a better, maybe there's a better way to voice what I'm hearing. Maybe there's another way to do that. But I remember thinking, I don't ever want to, if that's what, I don't want to be upset like that. That was like the worst week in my life. I mean, it was terrible. It was one of the most exciting things in my life. It really inspired the church. It really did inspire them. And it was like we had heard something. It taught us something. We learned something about how God provides. Do I really want to hear from God? You know, so a friend of mine, he's a pastor, and I coach pastors, and he's decided he wants to go to another church. 
And so he said, I want to go to another church. Will you pray with me? And I said, sure. And I said, we asked him lots of good questions. And then he said, I want to pray for 40 days that the Lord will reveal his will to me. And then whatever he asks me to do, I'm going to do it. And I said, okay, that's great. And then he said, I said, well, have you had heard from any churches? He said, yeah, they're all out of state, though. I'm not willing to move out of state because I don't want to move my kids away from my parents. So I then said, well, let's pray together. And I said, dear God, uh, he's willing to go wherever you want him to go as long as you don't move him away from your parents. So if you'll meet him on his terms, it'll all be okay. I said, do you really want to hear from God? And we have that kind of friendship. So, so you know, here's Moses. You know, Mo, you know, Moses, where's Midian? Midian is Douglas Hills. I mean, I'm not putting, Midian's a good place. Midian's where you raise your kids. Midian's where you pay your mortgage. Uh, Midian is where you build your life apart from everybody else. Midian is where you move and where you separate yourself. I mean, it's not, you know, it's a good place to live, Midian. It's, it's your life. It's, it's where you drive your kids back and forth to soccer practice. You know, you can live here in Middletown and never really experience real poverty and never really experience real suffering, never experience all the things that other people experience in the world and live your whole life and never get all that. And, and you know, that's okay. Well, it's not if you want to meet the real God. And so Moses is going, I don't want to leave Midian. I, I, I don't want it. So he gives all these excuses. I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. And the one says, hey, would you just send somebody else? And God says, there's nobody else but you. I've tried everyone else. You're the only one that's listening. <laughs> here's the, so here's the question. This is the question. I had quite a day the other day. The day began at Hand in Hand Ministries where we support their work. Their leader is a member of our church. And they have serious resource financial issues because of what they're trying to do. Limited budget. They're, they're building 300 homes in Nicaragua. I then had a conversation with one of, one of our black pastors in town who has far less than we have and is doing work in a difficult situation. Has to work another job to be the pastor. Then I come up here and I go over to the gym and the high school, Eastern High School is having a dinner here at the church. And uh, they're feeding high school kids, raising money for project graduation. I walk in the room, totally unexpected. Someone comes and says, would you come speak to the teenagers and to the parents? Because one of the students, one of the high school seniors that goes to school with my son, lost his life last week. And the whole community is really hurting. Tragedy, tragic, tragedy. Ripped the school apart, ripped the heart out of the senior class. And this, this family. Speak, speak. Then I leave from here and I go over to the Americana Community Center. And, um, you know, regardless of what you think about it, the people at Air Americana feel very uncertain right now in the world. They're from Vietnam and from all over the world. And um, they're hearing some voices say you're welcome, some voices saying you're not welcome. They, and, you know, so we went over there for a little community gathering to wrap our arms around them. And I look at what they're doing over there and I'm going, they don't have any resources. And think of what, and then, I get up and I read Burning Bush and I hear about a God who hears the cry of the suffering. And God says, you know, you can be the pastor of Midian Town Christian Church or you can be the pastor of Middletown Christian Church which is in the middle of everything. 
So do I have to really? I'd rather just not talk about race or I'd rather not talk about sexual orientation. I'd rather not talk about justice. I'd rather just preach, you know, nice sermons and make people feel better and we just all kind of go to the grave happy and alive and not listen to anyone in the world. Do, so here's the question. Do I really want to hear from a God that listens to the cries of the suffering? Well, let me be really clear about this. When you read the Bible from the point of view, from our point of view, we don't see it the same way. But when you read the Bible from the point of view of the suffering and the oppressed, you read it differently. And you see what God cares about. I don't want to be Midian Town Christian Church, and we're not. You inspire me. That's why we decided, you know, that's why we decided, that's why we decided to do Embrace Louisville. That's what that's about. What that's about is about us leaving, leaving our church and everybody going out and finding a place to serve and find somebody to hear their story, to hear another person's cry and to hear their story and to allow their story to change our story. All over our city there are thousands of stories. You can hear the story at the TLC. You can hear the story at Buddy Break. You can hear the story you know, in Nicaragua, you can hear the story in Honduras. But we're called to leave Midian for this uncomfortable journey so we can get to know the real God, the God of I Am. You see, God says to Moses, tell them I Am sent you. And he didn't know what that meant. Who is I Am? I've never heard. What? That's weird. I Am, I Am, I Am. Forty years later, he knew what I Am meant. I Am is the God that called him. I am is the God that confronted the Pharaoh and kept him safe. I am is the God who gave him food and water in the middle of the desert to feed thousands of people when he didn't know he was going to do it. I am is the God who parted the Red Sea and took him to safety. I am is the God that provided manna in, in the desert. I am is the God that led him up to the top of the mountain and said, here are my commandments that you're going to live by. I am is the God that took him to the top of Mount Nebo at the end of his life, full of life and vigor and hundred and something, able to look over the promised land and be able to say, I am has been with me. You see, you don't know I am until you've walked with him, until you've been on an uncomfortable journey, until you've listened to his, the voice, to the voice of the one who hears the cries of the suffering. And then what happens is our world has expanded. Our world has grown. Our understanding of who God is gets bigger and we get bigger. And we end up beat up and scarred, but beautiful and profound and challenged. Here, here's 2017, if I may. Vision. In 2017, 1,000 people from our church crossing boundaries to involve ourselves in the lives of 1,000 other people who've had different experiences than us. Wherever it is you live, at the end of the year, we come back and we hear stories. Our lives will be changed. Our community will be different. And we'll know the God of I Am. I have to just be honest and confess, I'm not sure I want to hear from God. But then again, 
But then again, I want to know the real God, the God of I am. And you know what? Individually, we can do a lot. But collectively as a church, oh my gosh, there's so much that we can do and we're only beginning to see miracles, lives changed, people embraced, evil overcome, light in darkness. I love you all so much.